time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. I remember the first summer I was home from college, and, and the reason I remember it is because it really taught me a lesson about parenting. My bedroom was at the back end of our, our family house. We were, lived in a ranch at that point, and, uh, and so I remember being back there. I'd just gotten home from college, was unpacking, and was kind of settling in to uh, what that summer would hold, and I remember my father came into my room, and he sat down with me, and he said, son, we need to talk a little bit about the summer. I said, okay. He said, here's the thing. You are used to making all of your own decisions. You're used to uh, being able to decide when you're going to come in and when you're going to go. And that works just fine when you're away at college. But now you're home again. And I thought, oh, here we go with the rules. And here we are with um, him setting up what he, his expectations for the summer. And then he detoured and he said, son, your mother and I aren't in the same uh, schedule that you're going to be on this summer. You've, you've got some leeway this summer given your job. I know you're not going to have to go in until you know, near lunchtime, but we have to get up and, and we have to get going. Now, my father was also a pastor, which meant that on Sunday mornings, it was an early start for him. He had to get to the church and, and get busy. And he said, and, you know, on the weekend when um, the next day I'm going to have to be up early and, and when you're out late— I don't get a good night's sleep. And I said, well, Dad, I'm out late when I'm at college. And he said, right, but while you're out of the house, I can pretend that you're safely tucked in bed at 8 o'clock at night and not think about it. But if you're home and you're out, I stay up and your mother stays up until we hear you come in. So here's the thing. I would like for us to agree on what would be fair for the family. And I want you to notice how important that was. I would like for us to agree on what you think would be fair to the family. He said, I'm going to have to be getting up early on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to have to be uh, on a regular schedule during the week. And I know that you want your freedom, but we need to agree on what would be fair and respectful for all of us. What do you think would be fair for how you come in at night, how late you come in? And, and so that framed a different conversation than we might have had other times because I had friends who were going home and were angry and upset with their parents for you know, trying to control them and telling them that they had to be in earlier or fussing at them when they didn't come in early. My feeling was different because the conversation I had with my father brought what I think is a crucial interaction skill. It was about a, building an agreement. He was building an agreement with me, not having an expectation upon me, not creating a rule, but creating an agreement with me. And so we sat there and discussed how late would be okay for him and still for him to be able to get up and do his job and how late would be okay for me and what to do if I was going to be out later. We came to an agreement now, I'll bring that up because one of the most common mistakes I, may, I watch people make in social interactions, whether it's with colleagues or spouses or uh, their subordinates at work or their superiors at work or with their children especially, is this one point. It's the difference between expectations and agreements. And I believe that part of uh, making agreements with people, first of all, is much more healthy and second is much more helpful in relationships. But today I want to talk about how that fits into helping our kids thrive because expectations 
don't work. Let me just say, expectations don't work. Now, you can force them for a while, but long-term, they fail on themselves, and two, they create a problem in the relationship. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between um, these expectations and agreements. First of all, an expectation. An expectation is when somebody says, I expect this. So think back on how many times that's probably happened in your own life because I've had it come my way. I've had bosses come in and say, look, I expect these records to be here and completed at this point. I expect this report to be in at this point. I expect you to do this. So an expectation, I expect you to do this by then. I expect you to be in by 10 o'clock at night. I expect you to get an A on that paper. I expect you to uh, go apologize. I expect you to clean your room. I expect you to do your chores. Now, on the surface, you know, the expectation is about a task. The problem is in the phrasing of it. The phrasing of that expectation is that we end up with uh, this place where somebody can't ever win. So let's talk a little bit about the problems with expectations. The first problem is it always comes from authority. It comes from authority. You can't make an expectation on somebody unless you have authority, or at least unless there is perceived authority. You can't make an expectation, or another word for that is a demand of somebody, unless you have some position to work from. And the problem with authority is it's pretty slippery. And it creates another element, which is resentment and rebellion. So the second thing about expectations is they create resentment along the way. When people have expectations put upon them, they become resentful. And I want you to think back on those examples I just kind of jogged in your memory of those times when somebody has had an expectation of you. Did you feel some resentment? Because when I was telling you, I was thinking about several different situations uh, at other jobs where somebody came in with an expectation I had to meet, and I was resentful. And so we have two options. We can be resentful and do it anyway and just kind of get it over with. Or, more likely, we can be rebellious. Many times, as I've worked with parents and their kids, I've realized that a lot of times, this is the heart of it. The parent made some expectation, and the child decided to rebel against that expectation. And the relationship suffered. Expectations have the capacity of creating resentment and rebellion more than anything else. Nobody is happy about following up on an expectation, and here's why. Whether you've thought about this or not, think about this fact that if there is an expectation, you never win. The best that happens is you break even. You get to zero. So if I say, I expect you to be in at 11 p.m., and the person comes in at 11 p.m., no points for that. They don't get any special treatment for that. They just barely made it, you know, they made it in on the expectation. They got to ground zero. So you think of expectations as only getting to zero. I expect you to be in at 11. You come in 11, great. You hit your expectation. That's all. You come in at uh, 10.50, still, you are in by 11. So you just got the expectation. If you come in after 11, then you've broken my expectation. And then I have to decide how to react to that. And so the best that can happen is that you meet the expectation. And the worst that happens is you don't meet it and you create consequences. Neither one of those feel particularly good about the person who is experiencing the expectation. 
Neither one of those are helpful in, in the process of the person with that expectation because all they are living into is having an expectation of which they might be able to break even or fail. So an agreement, agreement is a whole different thing. An agreement is, first of all, mutual. It's, it's between two p- people, so it's mutual. And it can include what's going to happen, right? And so I had this expectation uh, of a conversation with my father where he would have an expectation, but my father was making an agreement. Can we agree that you're com- going to come in at a time that we agree upon so that our family is feeling harmonious and there's respect? That's a different feeling to it because now I am empathetic with my father and my mother's place where they're going to be up late waiting until I come in. So I have an empathetic place to move from and it feels more mutual. It wasn't me being told I have to be, be in by some curfew, which every child feels is unfair and arbitrary. Instead, I was helping or getting some help in understanding why that agreement needed to be there, why it would be helpful for the family. So it felt mutual. It was a conversation between me and my father. The second thing is it's always more satisfying because A, it's mutual, and B, there is some place to come to conclusions about it. Let's say you sit down with a child and say, I need you to clean your room. Do you think we can agree that you'll have that done by five? And the child can say, you know, I don't think I can do it by five. Okay, what can we agree upon? Can, can we agree that it'll be done by dinner time? Can we agree that it'll be done by whatever? And the child is able to say no, yes or no. Think about that in a job situation. If a boss comes in and says, hey, there's a report and we're going to need that report and I need that report by tomorrow. How can we get that done? Can we agree that that's going to be on my desk at three o'clock? And you might say, you know, I can't do that. I've got a conference call at two. There's no way that's going to happen, but I can have it by five. There's room for a discussion that becomes more satisfying in the relationship because it is relational. It's not from authority and it creates responsibility. And this is probably the central point I want to make in the, in the reason to try to move to agreements as helping a child thrive, it's because they are responsible for the actions. It's no longer you having an expectation that there's a rule they have to follow, but there is an agreement that they're living into. And those agreements can have a lot of the same elements of an expectation. You know, you can't trick it and pretend that you're doing an agreement. It really needs to be an agreement. But the expectations are often around performance, and boundaries. I mean, that's what we create for our kids. Those expectations we have for them are often about performance and boundaries. Performance, how they're going to do at school, how they're going to to act with other people. That's performance. Boundaries, what time you expect them in, how you expect them to treat property or other people or things like that. So performance and boundaries can be a part of an agreement. My father and I had an agreement about curfew. The same discussion that lots of my friends were having it probably at that exact same moment, having just gotten home from college, they were having it too, but many of them were having it from an expectation viewpoint. And many of them were rebelling against that. And others came home and realized that their parents didn't know what to do. And so they had no curfew that, that summer. And that wasn't fair either. That wasn't helpful for the family. My father created an agreement about what could come of that. 
So you might sit down and say, okay, how can we get this done? These things need to happen. How can that get done? How can that get accomplished? The other side of an agreement is there might be something on your side. It might have some piece of, if you do this, I'll do this, right? And so it starts with, can we agree about how your schoolwork's going to get finished? Can we agree about how your room's going to get clean? Can we agree about how you're going to treat your siblings or how you're going to treat us? Which is different than saying, I expect you to do X. Because when you set it out, the other person gets to choose whether to follow it or not instead of when they've agreed to it. They've created a responsibility towards it. So notice these pieces in the equation. Whenever you set an expectation, or whenever an expectation is put upon you, notice how it feels like it's coming from a place of authority, and that the best you're going to do is break even. There's not going to be any win in that. There's not going to be any mutuality in that. It's simply going to be a place of doing it with resentment or refusing to do it with rebellion. Or you can move into agreements. Agreements end up being mutual, where two people are finding the place where it's a fair agreement. Now, recognize this. What was not going to fly in my house, as my father was talking, is for me to say, well, how about if I come in at 3 in the morning? That was not going to be something he would agree to. But if he wanted me to be in at 10 and I felt like I needed 10.30 and we could have a discussion about that, that's a different matter. Or 10 to 11. Or for me to understand why it was so important on a Saturday night for me to be in so he could be rested the next day. All of those pieces fit together into an agreement because it was a discussion. And it allowed me to be responsible for responding to that agreement. There can be a consequence attached. He said, okay, well, here's the thing. If you come in late repeatedly, we're going to have to have some consequences to that. So we have to have respect in the family, and I knew that. And he didn't even have to ever name the consequences because I don't believe that summer. Well, I take that back. I remember one night that summer that I was out late and forgot to call. And that was the night when I realized that I had been given an opportunity and responsibility. And so when I came in late and they had been up, they said, we thought we had an agreement. And I had to be responsible to say, I broke the agreement. I'm sorry. Let's try again. And that's the nice thing about the difference between expectations and agreements. If somebody doesn't meet the expectation, you can say, well, I thought I had that expectation of you. This was what was expected of you, to which they could say, I didn't agree to that. You told me that. But in an agreement, there's no room for that. You can then say, I thought we had agreed to this, and the person can be held responsible for those pieces. If you've heard my information about thriving, you know that responsibility is one of my big pieces, not, not blame. Blame is, is a word that's often used instead of responsibility, but I'm talking about true responsibility, the ability to respond, choosing your response. It's one of my core principles in my book, Thrive Principles. In fact, it's one of the key ones I think we need to pass on to our kids so that they learn to thrive. Until somebody is given the room to be responsible, they are reactive or they are able to abdicate responsibility because somebody lets them off the hook. When we step in and say, I thought we had an agreement, the other person has to step in and say, yes, I agree to that. You're right. And 
I didn't live up to my expectation. That's a building of responsibility. If you're wondering how to build that responsibility to understand that whole concept of being responsible, I would suggest my book, Thrive Principles. You can learn more about that at thethriveprinciples.com. And you can also find some podcasts on responsibility here at Thrivology.com. Just do a search for responsibility and you'll get lots of pieces there. That's the primary piece where we make a shift from expectations that don't work to agreements that open up new possibilities for thriving in your parenting and in all relationships. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.